You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1045 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. Coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. Before we start the show today, I want to tell you that Chad Ford, Lothan NBA draft host Rafael Barlow, and Lothan NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA draft as it happens. It's Lothan NBA draft 2021 brought to you by Built Bar. There's local expert analysis on each and every pick, and you can follow the Locked On NBA feed on YouTube today and watch our live coverage on July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Today's show will be myself and Brian Schroeder for the most part. Brian is a frequent guest on this podcast about the NBA Draft. Last week we talked a ton, and this time around we waited till the very end. As one note here, Brian and I talked a little bit of time ago, about a week ago or so, um, and that's because I'm traveling this week, as you can probably tell by the audio quality. So it all holds up. Nothing is going to sound crazy to you as you listen to it now, but just keep that in mind as you're listening, and I want to give you the best audio quality possible for this interview, get us through until the draft arrives, by the way, which is coming up very soon. If you're listening to this podcast on Tuesday, the draft's on Thursday, so we're getting very close to that. Um, first, some, some news, though, before we hand it over to myself and Brian, and Bradley Beal made some waves, at least the reporting around Bradley Beal made some waves on Monday. No huge surprise, but it's been, you know, banned about that Bradley Beal could be looking to be moved as he mulls some options. Fred Katz of The Athletic, who's been on this podcast before as a guest, shouts to Fred, he wrote the following. The Warriors, Sixers, Heat, and Hawks could all get in on the mix, according to sources, end quote. So the wording here is key. Uh, I've heard this described as a trade rumor. I would say this is not a trade rumor at this point in time. Part of that is because the wording is so soft. So the Hawks could be interested, but the wording is not necessarily saying that they are or that they're actively involved in any way, shape, or form with Bradley Beal. Obviously, there's a lot of maybes and a lot of conjecture here. And I'll say this, if Bradley Beal is available, the Hawks almost certainly will at least make a call on Bradley Beal, as they should. They're very well set up. As we've been saying for a long time on this show and other places, the Hawks are a very capable team to make a consolidation trade for a star. They have a bunch of young pieces. I don't want to name them all now, but I guess I could. Uh, you know, Okongwu and Hunter and Reddish and Herder and even Bogdanovich is a higher-priced guy, but someone that could be there. John Collins, if he were to resign, um, they have all kinds of guys who could be their pick from this year, for instance. Essentially, anyone but Trey Young could be in a package for another star in the future. So, with that said, it you know it makes sense that the Hawks would be linked to something like this. Still, you know, Beal is a star level player, and I don't think he's a perfect fit necessarily. But regardless, that we'll sort of hold off all the analysis for now. But this is not a trade rumor. It's more of a someone thinks that the Hawks could get in the mix, and that that, that makes sense. I would echo that. I think if you replaced Beal's name with anybody's name that's a star player, that report would still make sense. So this is not me piling on Fred. I think it's more the way that it was interpreted. I saw some, you know, some, I would say, irresponsible aggregation out there about how this is now a rumor that the Hawks are interested in Bradley Beal. Like, I mean, I guess they could be. They probably are, as most teams would be. But for now, nothing to panic about with Beal if there is more firm reporting that the Hawks could get in there or if Beal even, like, actually wants out. That's Step one is that Beal might not actually want out of Washington until he's until he's sort of put that request in or however you want to put that. I can't imagine him actually being moved unless he wants to be out of Washington. So all that said, the Hawks were mentioned, people asked about it, uh, and I will just say, don't go too crazy at this point in time, but if he actually is available, the Hawks, um, I, I would say can and probably should and probably will at least get involved on some level with some discussions with the Wizards. Okay, 
After that, one more thing to hit on here. Um, John Hollinger of The Athletic released some free agency rankings over the last couple of days. And as I talked about on the salary cap episode on Monday, there's lots of free agency rumblings, of course, and people are ranking players, and John Collins is getting a lot of attention. That's the headliner here for the Hawks. Hollinger had Collins as the number three overall free agent in this class, and only behind Kawhi Leonard and Chris Paul in terms of his sort of projected value by money standards. And that might mean that he's effectively number one because Paul could just go back to Phoenix and Kawhi might not be on the market at all. So that tells you how in demand Collins might be. Hollinger projects Collins' value about $26 million in year one, which is pretty reasonable. That's almost the max. Not quite there. The max is about $28.1 million, as I discussed at length. And by the way, I recommend listening to Monday's podcast. I know it's a little bit nerdy, but there's lots of interesting tidbits in there and uh, answers a lot of questions people have been having uh, that have been firing them in my direction in the last couple of weeks. So at any rate... Collins is basically seen as a fringe max player by Hollinger's metrics, and that definitely stands up. That's basically what I think is the consensus on Collins right now, is that he's really, really good. Maybe not a full-blown max guy, but very close, and that kind of aligns with that. Elsewhere, though, Hollinger had um, a bunch of guys that are Hawks free agents ranked on some level. The funny-slash-surprising one is that Hollinger's formula loves Chris Dunn. He has he has done as a top 10 shooting guard for agent uh, that after not basically not playing at all this year. That's kind of a wild one. Tony Snell's number 25 most shooting guards. Lou Williams is not a favorite of the system that Hollinger has, which Hollinger sort of acknowledges the metrics that never, never really love Lou's game. And he also gets a ding for age being that as old as he is. So he's number 22 among point guards. That's, that's, that's too low. I think you could certainly argue that he's not like a top five guy, but he certainly shouldn't be as low as that in my mind. Goodwin and Solomon Hill were both top 30 at point guard and power four, respectively, but they were actually number 30 exactly on both lists. So nothing huge to take away from that, but I saw that was at least out there and people were talking about Collins' placement and his projection. So I generally agree. You know, Collins is clearly one of the best agents in the market this year, and uh, he'll be he'll be commanding a near-max salary, as we already know, and I definitely would recommend listening to Monday's podcast for much more on that front. Okay, before we get to Brian, a word from our sponsor on today's show, the first of which is rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models in the car or truck world, it's now impossible to stock all the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why would you endure often pointless questioning from someone at a storefront and have to wait while someone at the counter orders the parts on the computer, only choosing the brand that the warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com right now, both at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for all the audio and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need. Just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is uniquely and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your car and choose the brands, specs, and prices that you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And from there, you went right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box to know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. I am joined now by a longtime friend of this podcast, someone who is on, I think, more than anyone in the calendar year 2020 because of all the draft stuff we did. Brian Schroeder is here. Hello, sir. Hello. You doing all right, man? How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm tired. Working too hard. <laughs> I understand uh, fully. Uh, the draft is rapidly approaching. We're, we're recording this a few days before it's going to run, and uh, but hopefully it will all stay uh, relevant. Uh, I guess people could still pull out of the draft, but um, for the most part, people that are in, are in and uh, we got the Jerry Butler good news uh, before we started recording, which is good. Um, at any rate, um, 
before we dive into some players as we certainly will on this uh on this show it's been a little bit we haven't talked about this class at least uh, in this form for a while and i'm wondering how you're feeling about the entire class not, not just for the hawks but uh are you ready for this to be over are you frustrated are, are you still excited to talk about these guys like where's your brain at right now uh i think i think at this point if you could if you put any kind of real work into this you're, you're kind of done with it by it should have been over a month ago <laughs> <laughs> it's, like better the, than, it's better than a year ago like the like, 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 like the last class yeah, it felt like it's a better in. class so yeah. yeah i think overall though i've talked about this with people i think this is going to be looked at as a fairly textbook average class where it's like yeah it's fine it's, it's got like got a few guys at the top it's got some depth it has it has depth in other places that some classes don't but it's not going to be like a superstar class nor is it going to be like just miserably bad so yeah, I'd say it's it's closer to 2013 in that regard, or like uh, I guess 2016 is kind of an average class too. Um, so yeah, you know they'll be good players, but they'll be some stars and nothing really. I don't think this is going to be kind of class that really makes or breaks a lot of these bad teams, like unless they do something stupid. That's always the caveat. Um, I guess one of the things that I've been asking people for um, when I've had them on in the last couple of weeks is you know basically. This, this class was built at least by some, I'm not saying this is what you were saying, but some people were saying this is going to be this awesome, you know, you know, really, really, really awesome class a year ago, for instance. Yeah. Um, it feels like from what you just said, it has settled into a little bit less than that, even with some excitement at the top. Yeah. Uh, the, the, yeah it turns out there are not uh, a dozen number two picks, as like people were saying <laughs> when the college season started. There are usually a few, you know, for instance, like BJ Boston was supposed to be a consensus yeah. top five guy. He's not that anymore. Uh, there are a couple guys. I mean, I guess he's probably the most obvious example of someone who fell a long way. All the way. Tennessee guys slightly. Uh, yeah. Jalen Johnson slightly. Even, even Barnes. Uh, Josh Christopher. A lot of those guys. Zaire. Yeah, kind of, yeah, at least a little bit because obviously he had a, he had a pretty rough season. I still I still kind of like Zaire, but um, it was kind of <laughs> not not a great year at Stanford. We could say no. Um, at any rate, uh, I, I do want to get into the top guys. Uh, I'm not doing this to everybody. Uh, you and I are going to talk in two parts here, so we have a little bit of time to stretch out. Uh, I think I know the answer to this, but is your top four the same as everybody else's? Well, not everybody else. Most people's top four. Yeah, the order may be slightly different first in person, but yeah, I, I think there's a pretty. There should be a consensus top four. I feel like anyone who says it differently is either not paying attention to those guys or putting too much stock in hypotheticals with guys like Kaminga, who like weren't good. That's a pretty big, <laughs> yeah. pretty big bra- like a pretty big barrier to being a top five pick is being good. I feel like. Yeah, and I feel like people are gonna maybe. It's not like you're trying to say he's not a prospect because he he is, um, yeah. but not uh, you have you know there is something to be said for what his raw ability is. Like his, his tools are very interesting to be sure. Like it, if, it pop, if, if it pops, it pops. Like, but I tend to agree with you, uh, you know, in terms of just on the court right now, uh, he's not uh, in the same level of, of the top four guys uh, in terms right. of what the actual skill level is right now. The, the two problems with that is a, like he shot 39% of the floor in, in G league. That's like miserably bad. And it's not like, like some guys, like, you know, a big thing, a lot of people defending LaMelo, and we were right to say so, is that the NBL is a very physical league and he is not very physically, he wasn't very physically developed. So some of his, like, he was getting pushed around a little. And like, if Jalen Green had struggled, you could make that argument. But like, Kaminga was still physically dominant. He just wasn't good. 
like he was way more athletic than most of the guys he was playing against. Like I think maybe like Dante Hall was the other closest guy to him as far as just like a vertical athlete. And he still like wasn't particularly good outside those first two or three games. And then like the other thing is his tools are very good. His tools are not like super like they're not like he's not going to be the best athlete on the floor in every game he plays in the NBA. Like that's just not going to happen. He doesn't have Giannis tools. He doesn't have like even like I don't know Bam Adebayo tools. Like even that's probably a little above him. So yeah, it's it's a struggle to really look at a guy like that and be like superstar. But he'll still go high because he's six foot eight, pretty young. And has like the baseline of skill. So, yeah, I mean, he's it's it's just it's really just tool. I don't want to over overstate it, but it really yeah. is just a tools bet for the most part. And you know, I, I get it on some level because every team in the league is looking for a guy who uh, is six eight that has power and is a good athlete. Like why why you say he's not he's not like a transcendent athlete. He's still a really good athlete at six eight. Yes. And, uh, so you can see why people would be uh, into him for sure. But if you haven't watched him, I, I think. You know, unless you do this, and I haven't watched him as much as you, I can guarantee that. But unless you do this really seriously, you probably haven't watched him because he was playing in the G League and people were not watching the G League. Like, at least with college guys, you might have seen a handful of games when they played on CBS or something. Like, Kaminga was not playing on a platform unless you were going to look for him. Yeah. Ever. Same thing with Jalen Green, by the way. But at least Jalen Green has, like, you know, he was actually good in the G League. And, uh, you know, very has, good. it has the, has the, uh, the highlights and actually the efficiency was good too. Let's get, let's talk about those guys. Cause I I've kind of ignored them. Cause obviously the Hawks are not in that mix, but I do want to talk about them a little bit. Uh, is Cade, is Cade in a different tier for you? Is he number one? Like there's um, been some movement towards screen. I feel like in the uh, consensus, but who knows? So yes, he is technically in a different tier. Like as far as I structure it on my big board and stuff, I just don't feel like having like eight tiers. So technically those first four guys are all in one, but Cade is, is slightly ahead. Yeah. What is, uh, so not that you have to get the entire 10 minute breakdown of Cade, but um, do you feel like he is a, you know, a, not maybe transcendent, but is, is he a, you know, kind of no doubt number one talent for you? Cause yeah. every time I wade into the water of reading certain things, it's like, well, people have him number one, but there's comes with a lot of equivocation. I would say mm-hmm. uh, I, I think Cade's pretty clearly number one for me, but uh, what do you like? What do you not like? What are you worried about with Cade? Like, or well, the, what are you just in love the, with? The best way to describe it is he was number one for me easily before the season started. And the only question was how he would translate, like when he's forced to start taking pull-up jumpers, can he do it? Because he didn't really, he didn't do it at all at the U19s. And he didn't have to do it at Montford because they just never had to do that strokes. ever. <laughs> yeah. And he had, he was flanked by two, like absolutely elite high school shooters, Caleb Housen and Moses Moody. Go blue. By the way, <laughs> um, <laughs> and he, uh, yeah, so like, like he didn't have to do it. He even said he didn't like his shot was flat. It was just not something he's comfortable with. And then he, over the course of the Big Twelve season, turned himself into probably the best off dribble shooter in this class, at least in that top group. Like, good enough that he basically beat Baylor by himself in that that second game. In the uh, was it in the tournament? It may have been in the, in the Big Twelve tournament, where he just started hitting all these like super tough. Middleton style pull-ups and like they, they had no answer for it. So like he's turned the biggest question mark into statistically his biggest strength and all the other stuff is still really good too. Like the thing that, that really separates Cade is that um, he's a just an excellent defender in basically every way. Like he played center like 
reasonably consistently for that Oklahoma State team because all their their other bigs all got in foul trouble all the time. Yeah. And like, yeah, there's there's really no there's really no doubt. Like people talk about his his burst isn't good, isn't very good, but he's a six eight. He's like six eight two thirty. Like there's not well, a lot of guys that size who have great burst. I was gonna say it's not. This is. Uh, it just feels like. I mean, you, you have to nitpick on some level at number one overall, and I get that, but it does feel like a nitpick when he's as big as he is and as skilled as he is. Like, yeah, to your point, he's not uh, – I don't know. I was going to pick a super athletic wing. It doesn't matter who it is. He's not a super athlete, but you don't, he doesn't have to be. When you're, when you're that size and you can dribble past shoot the way he can, like, what is – I mean, I guess it matters, but it's not a yeah. deal breaker. Um, I mean, it'll matter. Like, he'll, he'll definitely have times where he struggles to – just like if you just face him up. The thing is with him though, if 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 you're gonna make if you can somehow force him to just try and play I like beat you and ISO all the time, you've already won. Like he doesn't want to do that. He wants to be Chris Paul. So like I don't know. I don't really think it's an issue. He has some footwork stuff he can work on, but the big saving grace for him with all that is that he's immensely strong. Like yeah, incredibly strong. So like it, he he can adjust. Do you care about the turnovers? Because I've, no. I've heard that narrative. Like, I, I don't really either, but I've, I've heard that. I, the only ones I care about is he had some on-ball ones where he tried to switch hands dribbling and just kind of fumbled it sometimes. And that can be, like, his hands are huge, but he sometimes has, like, weird, like, he just drops the ball. Those are only worried about. I'm not worried about the, any other turnovers. Like, you're going to have turnovers. It's just a part of, like, it's just a turnover ratio for him is a useless stat because you can find dozens of clips of, not even just missed spot ups for his teammates, but like guys, he, they had a, a two on a two on o uh, break once, and he threw a lob, and the guy hit it off the front of there and fell over, and the ball went out of bounds. And it's like that's, you know, like <laughs> like Oklahoma State team was pretty good. They, they're a pretty good athletic team. They're very good at defense. They Not couldn't shooting. shoot. Yeah. They couldn't shoot, and like two other guys on the team could dribble in a straight line and score. And one of them was I was Ice Likely, who uh, was the other was his backcourt mate who stands in the paint for. I don't know how that guy doesn't get called for three seconds every every possession. He just stands in the paint, clogs up the paint. So like, yeah, that, I'm not worried about that at all. Cade's passing is as good as it's ever been, and it's not the flashiest. He doesn't make like the super, like he doesn't do Steph Curry pass. He doesn't do Luca passes, but he does a lot of those skips. It is okay. He's not as good as LeBron at this, but it is similar to especially young LeBron where he would just like fire bullets, like skip passes. And like just mercilessly break you down like that. That's a little bit what it's like. The passing is not. He's a terrific passer. Yeah, I mean, the, it's not something that most guys his size do at this age for the most part. And um, I'm sure you've said this before too. Um, but it, it's also a pretty how you feel about his passing. Also, I think reflects whether you watched him in high school because. Mm-hmm. There were still flashes Oklahoma State, but as we just talked about, the, the force spacing was not there. That was they were not a very uh, um, exciting offensive team outside of him. And if you granted high school, they were loaded beyond measure. But he also got to play the facilitator role, and you got to see a little bit more of of that of that game because, like you said, like one of the knocks on him was like, is he a killer scorer? <laughs> and like he did that a lot this year because he kind of had to. But his passing. I can't. I kind of can't believe that people are flagging it as a concern because it's one of his best traits, if not his best one. I don't know. It was his best trait coming into the in college. Yeah, it's just kind of weird. I feel like we've gone full circle with Kate in a year, but uh, you know, we have number one. That's not that sexy of a conversation. 
Even with the season over now for the Atlanta Hawks, Bet Online is still your home for the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season, for example, is still in full swing. You check all the action at Bet Online, get all the latest news, odds, and information for all of your sporting needs, including baseball, basketball, hockey, UFC, MMA golf, tennis, auto racing, entertainment bets, and much, much more. Before the next pitch or dribble, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the latest great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prepare for their run to the playoffs. And even when they're in the playoffs, head to the website right now at betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Yes, that's checking out betonline.ag for 50% and extra cash and a welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code Locked On. The promo code is Locked On for 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, I'm going to make the next one very easy. Uh, Mobley or Green? Mobley. It's pretty easy to be close, but yeah. um, He's one of the best offensive prospects. He's the best defensive prospect in a decade if you count Anthony Davis as 10 years ago, which technically 10 drafts ago. Yeah. He's the best defensive prospect in a decade. And the shooting will happen. The ball handling is extremely high level for a seven footer. Uh, just the mentality. I'm like Jalen Green's all three of those guys, we really the top four guys, all are like as far as mentality goes, we're all pretty we're all pretty much what you want. Maybe Mobley is a little passive sometimes, but honestly at USC that offense was so cursed, it was so it's just direct. Like they would they would not give him the ball. It's the same thing happened with Ogongwu. Like he couldn't get the ball. He would stand with his hand up, like standing on the baseline for 15 seconds. Um, but Mobley is just the most pol- like extremely polished. Uh, this is a thing you get a lot with people talking about. So one of the reasons I don't put any real stock into Kuminga, uh, into like the excuse that Kuminga struggle against grown men, is that like if if you're a legit high school prospect, you were playing against pros in the summer, all the, like all the time. And Mobley has been playing against pros for probably six or seven years at this point. Like even just in pickup games, and you. You, you know, you get better. You learn from that stuff. And he just has like a, his release point is untouchable. The, like I said, the ball handling and passing are terrific. He's the smartest and most under control. Like he's basically Jaron Jackson, but without fouling in, in high school, in college, which, you know, that's what we wanted for Jaron Jackson now for like four years. And he hasn't really delivered. Uh, the, the only, the only big man prospect in the last tech decade, who's, blocked as many shots as he has while being like, you know, a real prospect without with uh, fouled as less is, is, is Davis is, is Anthony Davis. Like Mobley is Mobley is a frighteningly good defensive prospect. And the other stuff is so much farther ahead than I think where like college BAM was or like college Nerland's Noel, like way, you know, miles ahead of that. Right. So, yeah, no. I, yeah. I, I like Moby a lot. I think he might even be higher on than I am. But one of the refrains, and I'm just going to ask you this because it's you're on you're, you're you're in the spotlight here, Brian. Um, one of the refrains that I get whenever I say I have Mobley at two, or if if somebody has Mobley at two, is like, okay, but one guy is a perimeter player, one guy is a big, like almost almost that simple. Just like the premium, and there is a premium place on yeah. perimeter creation and that stuff. What what would your counter be to that? Is it just that Mobley's just better than green yeah if, if i had if i thought they were equally good and i think it's a matter of degrees i don't think it's like a huge blowout for me in favor if i thought they were equally good i'd, I'd go with 
with Green. That's actually the reason I have Kate ahead of him. I think Kate's slightly better, but if they were closer, I would still probably go Kate because he's going to have the ball. But the other thing about Mobley is that he will create for himself. Like he has frightening stuff on tape where he's able to string together five, six, seven dribbles, get into people's chests and shoot. The thing he's not a post-up player, but he he's obviously trained to not be that. Right. Like I mean, that, that's one of the things I think you've, uh, he's definitely if you one believe of the that. first, one of the first high level prospects who's come up understanding that, that the, the, the centers don't take 20 shots out of the post anymore. Yeah. It's almost like you can see him processing that in real time, like almost training himself. Somebody trying to let them say he did it on his own necessarily, but just like, uh, no one's oh, his, gonna, dad, his dad trained him. Yeah. I mean, no one's going to accuse him of, uh, being an old school center. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of guys who might get that, like the other eight got that wrap some as a really good prospect, but it was like, all right, well, this guy's just an old school center. Like there's some, kind of a ceiling on that. And Moby's probably and like, nope, I'm not going to do that. It, it took him time. It took him time to adjust to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mobley, Mobley is just way beyond that. Like he, he is the, almost the complete platonic archetype of like, what is like, what do you want from new age centers? The only, the only real drawback people have with him is, and this is a thing to do with every center prospect. It's, it's crazy. No, you don't see it with other positions. It's always bigs. It's always like, well, you have to be able to contain Steph Curry and defend Joel Embiid in the post. And it's like, sorry, that player doesn't exist. Bam is the closest we have to it. And even then, I don't think he's really that effective against Embiid. So no. yes, Evan Mobley's not going to be able to put plant his feet and stop Joel Embiid or Jokic <laughs> from scoring on him. The, the positive with that is that there's no one in the NBA who can do that. So well, yeah, I, that, maybe Marcus All. I, I do find that always. It's always fun. That, that happened. That happened with the Congo too. It's, it's still mm-hmm. it's still going to, especially as he plays more. Um, you know, the people that were detracting on a Kongwu for the Hawks, obviously it's a Hawks podcast. We're like, well, but he's only six eight six nine, and it's like, okay, I get that. And yes, he's he's going to struggle against Embiid and Jokic, but everyone does uh and basically you just have to have a backup that's seven feet tall like it's not i, I get it i mean it is what it is these but, are reasons why evan mobley won't be the best player in the world they're not reasons why he's not a top three pick <laughs> anyone who has a outside of three to me is great. maybe you can make an argument for suggs if you really think suggs is going to develop in the more dynamic guy if you have mobley lower than four you I, like i have no estimation of your abilities honestly. yeah it's it's basically I, the only way i could see that is if someone's just like almost crosses off bigs you know what i mean like there's i'm sure there's teams that that don't have yeah no i mean just like evaluators there's some people that i think go a little extreme with it but it's almost like you have to dock any big x amount of spots because they're just a big you know what i mean there's that philosophy out there i think the the person i know who is the most extreme about that still had mobley three because which tells you all you need to know (laughs) mobley (laughs) doesn't move like a big mobley moves like like he's six foot five he's oh yeah he's a frightening mover terrifying Um, so Beyond that, uh, the two the two Jalen's, uh, you know, Green, who people haven't seen him as much, I'm sure, because he played in the G League. Um, obviously, he's. I'll let you talk about him in a second as well. And then you have Suggs, who, if, if I have a if I have a question about Suggs, and I wonder if you agree with it. My question about Suggs is like, what does he do? Awesome, like he's really good at basically mm-hmm. most things, but that archetype doesn't usually i'm not saying ever but the narrative doesn't usually translate into being a superstar it's more like he's going to be good and i do believe in Suggs, but that is kind of the knock that i have and i think other people might have to i think you can you can maybe look at his off dribble shooting could be very very good in time he's not gonna be damn the lily though but um he just plays hard i think that's his best attribute 
He's very good. Insanely hard. He's very good at defense. I would say like connector passing, like Lonzo Ball, like secondary. Like uh, I guess it should be Tyrese Halliburton should be the archetype for that now. The secondary passing is terrific. He's gonna have to work. He has. He really has to work on not just like his handle. His handle is okay, but his sort of his his pathing, like his his seeing ahead and like knowing where you're gonna go, like the Kyrie Irving stuff. Being able to not just like weave around because he's good enough athlete, but it's he has almost too much football in him where he'll like, especially in like secondary break, he'll see there's a like there's a path into the center of the lane and he doesn't really understand that guys are going to collapse in on him. He'll just run into three guys and fall over. He tries to Westbrook it and he's not that kind of like you're not Russ. Um, that's really my only real concern with him offensively. Like I think he's a terrific passer. He's a great guard rebounder. The shot is good but he had some weird misses and i really think it's just kind of pacing like jumping too high being too amped up and that can that can always improve that's easy to improve so Suggs is very safe to me i I don't really see how he won't be good i just don't know if he's going to be like a franchise superstar and those other three guys could all be franchise superstars so that's why yeah that's that's why why he's four so i was gonna say i was was guessing you had him at four for after that whole uh that whole breakdown um and we talked about Green being close to Mobley. Uh, we don't have to go long on this, but w- what is Jalen Green in your mind? Like, is he like the comps I always hear, like the current version of Zach Levine, like the good version uh, as one of like you know both body type and just sort of what he can do. And it's certainly better than Kobe Bryant, which is what he was getting in high school. Yeah, I mean, uh, no, <laughs> thank you to any of those. And basically, any any comp like that, I just kind of have to roll my eyes until yeah. uh, they can't roll them anymore. And that's not even a shot, Jalen Green. It's just like, come on, what are we doing? Um, is that? I mean, what? I'm not saying you have to give me a comp, but like, what? What's your something on Jalen Green? I guess he's the simplest prospect in the stop group because he's just kind of a straightforward, prototypical scoring too. That's what he is. He's a great athlete. Uh, he plays, he's able to, to deal with physicality and bumps better than he should at his, like, he's really thin, uh, can shoot passing is fine. He's not really good or bad at it. So he's not, it's not really his issue. Um, he can be hard on defense, but he tries. So it's not like a huge, I don't think he's going to be like a liability, but it is sort of, I think that's one of the reasons I have him lower than Mobley is it like, that makes it harder for him to become like, you don't have to, I guess, if you're scoring two guard, like it doesn't really matter. But I guess that's the difference between like Bradley Beal and I don't want to say Booker because Booker has his problems defensively too, but that's just a size issue. But yeah, that, that kind of separates you from, I think, that elite level to be where a lot of shooting guards are in this league where it's they're like secondary all-stars. Like they're yeah. the column. That's, that's, not, that's, a that's not the same and not too, but I feel like this is it's this is too simplified but when was the last time a like an actual shooting guard was a top five player in the league was it Dwayne Wade yeah probably and Dwayne Wade is one of the best defenders at that position that's ever played basketball yeah I mean obviously that's not even like a realistic I mean maybe it is but Dwayne Wade is a no doubt first ball hall of famer and uh and there are a lot of guys that are really good like we've named a bunch a couple of them now you know Beal Booker um, even like you know, Karis Levert. Yeah. I mean, guys like Zach Levine, who was really good this year for yeah. the team that you follow. Um, but those guys are not top five players. They're more, and I know Booker's had some moments in his playoffs, but like, they're more like 
top 20 players, top 25 mm-hmm. players. And that's not a knock. Like if you get that guy, even number one in a class, you're probably doing pretty good. Yeah. Um, so that's not, again, that's not even a negative on Jalen Green, but maybe that's what the question is, if there even is one, obviously. And that's not, that's not a guarantee, clearly. I mean, nobody, almost nobody, uh, I guess like LeBron was a guarantee. But um, if, if you get that as like a reasonable outcome, then you can see that kind of sells itself as why he'd be a top three pick in this class. Like, what does it work? Like, what what's the way that Jalen Green fails in your mind if it happens? Physicality, like, he's just too thin. He is very skinny. And he just doesn't really adjust to being a real decision maker, and it just becomes kind of a – I don't want to say De- Deion Waiters because that's – Deion Waiters had other issues. Maybe – um. Well, Deion Waiters actually was like a tank. He still Yeah. Still I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> I mean, like, THJ, like, that's kind of where he – which is still like solid player, but yeah, that's that's not even. Fa- I mean, as someone who watched him up close in person, that's not even like failing. I mean, that obviously, if if, if all you said was this top three pick becomes Demarway Junior, that's not a good outcome, but it's not a disastrous one. I don't think he can't. Like he's too, he's too, he's a pretty great athlete, and he can shoot, and like he he does work hard. Like that's a thing. I that's a very common refrain with Jalen Green. He's a workout guy. So like I don't really see how aside from injury, I guess, but that doesn't. Right, you can't present that. Yeah, you can't. Unless you know something already about a guy, which we don't. Yeah, I've never heard anything about him. He looks seasoned. I mean, maybe he he takes some jaw-style bumps and messes legs up, but that can happen to anybody. That's not really worth considering. Yeah, I I, I like him a lot, and that's my archetype is not really – that's not my favorite archetype in the world is, like, you know, score first shooting guard, one position player, but he is really talented. And we referenced it earlier, but he was legitimately good in the G League at, you know, at whatever it was, 18. Um, I guess almost 19 when he was playing, but yeah, um, the fact that he was like had above average efficiency, it was a small sample size, but him being able to do that was fairly impressive, even in a small sample. Yeah, yeah, no, he 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 definitely grew too. He took him a couple games to really get into the swing of it, but he he was the best player in the G League after. You remember that one game? You remember, you remember the first game when when Kaminga was the number one overall pick and Jalen mm-hmm. Green was not good? That was fun. One, one game samples are fun. He was he was really bad <laughs> defensively those first few games. Kaminga had the one good shooting game. I think it was wasn't his first game. I think he shot well. Yeah, that was it. Um, at any rate, um, I'm not trying to pile on Kaminga. Uh, all right, before we move down the board a little bit, um, I have the I have I'm privy to your board, so I'm not going to give it away right now. You can if you want to. Um, outside of the top four, I think we are clear that it's not Kaminga for you. Um, in the real world, most people seem to think that. Like someone like Scotty Barnes will go uh, five or Kamingo, one of those, one of those two, mm-hmm. maybe, or maybe, maybe it gets dealt. Um, I'd be if, surprised. If you were sitting there at number five uh, and, and your four guys are gone, uh, would you, would you take the number five on, the guy on your board or would you be more practical to perhaps in the, I, I mean, for instance, I think I, I might have Moses Moody there, which is a little bit aggressive. I love Moses Moody though, but. Um, well, okay. For any team or for the Orlando Magic? Um, okay, that's a good point. Um, I will say any team for right now. Okay, and then, then I would, and then I would and probably your, go. I would probably go Moody. I think on talent, you go Moody or Jalen Johnson. Um, Jalen Johnson is going to need to like. I hate that. He's going to need to get his head on straighter. Let's talk about Jalen Johnson because okay, so I've said this before on the, on the show, but I have been I've acted as the Hawks in two <laughs> mock in two mock drafts so far. Mm-hmm. Jalen Johnson has fallen to me both times, which I think is not realistic. Well, not okay. I shouldn't say realistic. It's not likely to happen. I don't think that's likely now. I don't think, but there does seem to be some potential for him to fall. Like 
I'm not an expert on this stuff in terms of, I don't know everybody in the league, but there seemed to be some sort of concern with him to where like you see him even in a like Intel best mock, you'll, you'll see him fall to 16, 17. And it's like, what's going on here? Because I know you like him just by, just by that answer you just gave like on talent. Is he really that on talent? He's number five. Okay. So tell me, tell me why that is because I think some people don't even love, like there are some talent questions too, that I've heard. There are some. Yeah. Um, He's very, he doesn't turn like, not necessarily laterally he's okay, but like turning his body to dribble, he's kind of mechanical and weird. He has like weird hips, but he's also almost six for 10. He's a very good passer. I mean, he's probably the, he's probably the only guy who's remotely close to the Ben Simmons archetype draft archetype, which is, I know not the most popular thing in the world right now, but like you still but, take that I mean, kind of guy. within reason. Yeah. I was going to say Ben Simmons, uh, not to go down this rabbit hole, but Ben Simmons is now perhaps underrated because like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, as someone who watched uh, that playoff series very up close, he definitely killed them in a lot of ways, but he is still uh, a good basketball player. Like the fact yeah. that he can't shoot is a problem, but, but it's not going to just take away all of his value entirely. Jalen really actually had pretty good uh, numbers as like efficiency numbers. He didn't have a lot of samples as a shooter, but I think he'll be fine. Um, Jalen is not a guy you're going to let like run a pick and roll again. Cause he can't really dribble. He can't really create the half court that well, but just as like a Swiss army knife, uh, like he could, he's an awesome cutter. He could screen. Um, you get him in transition. He's the best transition player in this class with maybe one or two exceptions, but like he is more like kind of what the Kaminga uh, are like the, a lot of consider like Jalen Johnson, when he got out in the court, uh, out in the open court with the ball was unstoppable. He obliterated people when they tried to step up to him. He's a, he's a grown adult man. And like his defense, like his technique isn't very good, but he has, he has some, astonishing recovery blocks and like just absolute high point rebounder like he he his I, really for him his real issue is just like getting his head on straight and i don't know i haven't heard anything like really damning about him he's just is kind of i'd heard lazy before but i think that's just code for this guy smokes weed with like old white <laughs> yeah, men it certainly can be and also like but he just seems like he, he just sometimes doesn't like playing basketball that much so i don't know that could be well, almost almost every time you know this too, but almost every, every time a prospect transfers more than once, people start like mm-hmm. wondering why that's happening. And yeah. he kind of did that a few times, and then also had the weird thing at Duke. So like that that back to back, even without anything, <laughs> I'm with you. I've not heard anything that's actually damning about him, but that combination is just going to spur questions. Like and the Duke top. thing was just like that team wasn't good. He he was just like I'm not getting injured for this. That's all. That's what I know about it. Yeah, and uh, you know, people might. There are certain people that are, that would still not like that, obviously, in terms of yeah. background. But that is also better than having some actual off-court issue. So who knows what it is? But I'm with you. I would take him much higher than 20. I gladly took him in two mocks at 20. I don't think it's necessarily likely to happen. Um, but I wanted to at least because you, you brought him up. He's interesting. I get asked about him too because he keeps falling to almost the Hawks range and a lot of mocks <laughs> Hawks fans are like, Whoa, Jalen Johnson. Really? I'm like, well, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> that would be like an Okongwu pick for me where it doesn't make that much sense positionally, but he would be the best player on the board by best talent on the board by a huge amount. You'd have to take him. Well, yeah, you, you just take him, And uh, that's just kind of a talent play. Um, before we move off this, uh, we, we mentioned Moody in passing. Uh, I don't have to talk, a chance to talk about him too much because he's not going to be anywhere near the Hawks range, but 
Uh, I've always liked Moses Moody. He might be my favorite guy in the whole class. Not actually, not best player, but guy I've yeah. liked the longest and all that stuff. Uh, I know you like him too. So what do you make of Moses Moody, professional basketball player? He's going to be very, very good. I just know there's no real doubt about that to me. He's <laughs> too big physically. He's got crazy length, but he uses very well. He's already adjusted to being like an okay athlete, but just with like a, he drew fouls at a crazy rate at Arkansas. And doing a lot of Devin Booker stuff, like a lot of a lot of uh, like really tight dribbles, a lot of like forcing himself past defenders and forcing them to like making them come to him and hit and foul him, or else he's going to finish because his arms are so long. And he's an awesome shooter, awesome shooter, very very good at defender, very good like playmaker defensively. He's just good. Moses Moody's going to end up. I hope he goes to like New Orleans or somewhere. He's not going to have to be a focal point. Can just immediately slot in to be a starting two three guy for. 10, 12 years. Yeah, because I think in most of my experience, people that people that like him a little bit less, um kind of knocked him for the stuff that he hopefully won't be doing to your point there. Like yeah. in Arkansas, he was their best player, and he doesn't profile as a best player kind of guy. He he can do it. He had some nice stretches where he did it, but I've always thought of him as a supporting piece, which is not a bad thing. But uh we haven't been able to see that at the college level because like most guys, he was the best player. Sometimes, team. sometimes they had a, a lot of yeah, they had a they, lot of transfer guards, old like upper class. They had a lot like of the, guys in yeah. general at times, but but I, I think reasonably when things slowed down and they had to go to ISO or whatever, it was usually him. Um, mm-hmm. And he, he had a couple of rough moments in the tournament too, which probably people saw and on, on a bigger stage. It was kind of like Franz, who like had a bad game at a bad time, and people were like, yes. oh, this guy, this guy's bad, and it's like, no. If you watched him all season long, you would know that he's not bad, but he had one bad shooting game in the tournament. So I'm sorry. The air balls were noticeable. Yes, he was terrible in that game. I say Michigan fan, but France, France is still very good. And it's like, if, you, if you're if you a team in the lottery, like more in like that 10 to 12 range, you're just like, oh, maybe this guy will follow us now because people are going to be stupid and not mm-hmm. this guy more. Oh, <laughs> uh, I guess we'll do this now. Front, uh, I, I didn't mean to answer your question. I meant to answer your question before. Uh, who ahead. I would take if I was the Magic, oh, yeah. I, would, I, would, I would take Josh Kitty. They just uh, need... They need playmaking. So, yeah, it's uh, so, so funny. I actually I had to do a mock. I had to follow a mock. I'm not sure it's out yet, but I was thinking about what I was going to do with Orlando at five, um, both in real world terms and what I would do terms. Uh, Giddy's interesting there because he's not point guard sized, and they they do have not incredible investment, but they do have investment in Fultz and Anthony. And it's like, what do you do here? But a guy like Giddy would make sense on a well, lot of I, 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 I'm one of the people who think he really is a wing. He's so a passing not, wing. not a, not a, not a point guard, but a wing. Yeah. That's what you're saying. If he really is, the, the rumor is that he's six, nine, like two nineteen at this point. If he's like, if he can be two twenty, wasn't he wing. supposed to be like six, six at one point, And now he just keeps growing. He was six, six a couple of years ago. He was <laughs> listed as six, eight before last season started. Okay. But he was like one ninety, one eighty five, one ninety. So he's put on weight. It looks like he has. I believe in the shooting, at least to be like functional. Although if it's not better than that, it's going to be harder to be like a star. But I just think the the, the instincts and the, the intelligence he plays with and the uh, he would be a guy that the, the Magic do not have and have not really had. Um, Vucevic is kind of a quiet killer. That's what he's always, he always has been. Uh, but that's a guy that Aaron Gordon never developed into the, the guy, like the guy you give the ball to. Terrence Ross is the closest thing. Fournier can do it in spurts, but that's really their, that's what it looked like Fultz was becoming before he got hurt, honestly. 
and they just don't have that. They don't have, I mean, it's much, you know, they don't have a trade. They don't have, and it's not like this going to be as good as those guys. They don't have a Zach Levine. No. They don't even have like a Colin Sexton, like the Cavs have. Just well, like a guy to drive, yeah, to drive them. Basically. A guy that you, yeah, a guy that when the, the like when they when it's coming to the end of the game, you just give the ball to that guy and let him figure stuff out. Lamelo, that's what Lamelo is. Anthony Edwards might be that. Those are, you take those guys high if they can be that kind of guy. Now I think he's a little less likely than some of the other guys to become that, but he's also extremely young and had noticeably got better over the course of the NBL season pretty rapidly. And looked awesome in their Olympic qualifying game the other day. Looked great. I, I think Giddy, there are flaws. Like, and he's like a legitimately not a good athlete. He's just tall. Um, I guess he's an all right, like, fun, like technically he can move around pretty well, but he's not like explosive at all. He can barely dunk sometimes. Yeah. But uh, you can, you can work on that stuff. You can work. There are leg exercises you can do to get better at that stuff. So yeah, like, it, helps I, to, it helps to be 6'8, 6'9, whatever, whatever he is to. Like, that's not yeah, like his baseline thing. But he's just like the, he will be disliked greatly by any right, the rival of whatever team. He's just like <laughs> very cocky. That's fun sometimes, though. Super confident. Like on your team. Like, yeah, that's you want happens. that guy on your team. Yeah. Um, all right, that's a good. I think quick. I'll be it. Uh, we'll come back. We'll, we'll come back to Jaden Springer. I know. I know you're ready for that. We'll come back to that in part two. Uh, we'll wrap up part one right now, uh, Brian. We'll be back momentarily, but please plug everything you got going on. Uh, I follow you on all your platforms, but uh, yeah, I just put out. I, I, I think I have finished my boards for this cycle on uh, like fi- Brian... final, final, final. Yeah, maybe I'll add the other one. The horizontal board is done. I've finished with that. There you go. Um, I'm gonna do a bunch of draft stuff, like I'm gonna do like reaction stuff for sure. Uh, maybe doing some stuff with PD on PD stream at some point. I my schedule is kind of busy, so we'll figure that out. Um, you know, I just, just just keep going. I'm definitely gonna do 2022 stuff. There's like some primer stuff, and then I'm gonna have like a big college basketball preview. Hopefully, I keep saying that I never really finish it. Um, yeah, you know, keep going. Follow Brian uh, at Brian J Draft. Correct. Mm-hmm. That is the uh, we should you should you should have more followers. It's kind of silly at this point. Yeah, it's fun about a couple months. It is what it is, but uh, people should be following Brian's stuff. Uh, Again, I would say stay tuned for part two. It's coming up very, very shortly.